You know, friendship is about one of the most wonderful things we get to experience on earth. Today I get to talk with a professor and one of his students from 20 years ago, Renovari's president, Chris Hall, and the writer and activist, Shane Claiborne. It was a real gift to watch their interactions. I was thinking about how some friendships find us, and others we have to be intentional about pursuing. We have to show up. Shane and his friends from The Simple Way, they just went and made friends with folks living on the margins in downtown Philly. Good things happen. This idea of taking your body and putting it in places it normally wouldn't go, it's a spiritual discipline of sorts, requires a risk, and apparently the number one thing elderly folks wish they did in life is take more risk. Something to think about. My name is Nathan Foster. And welcome to the Renovari Weekly Podcast. Thank you, Lord, for this chance to talk with my brothers and for the wonderful work of Renovari. And um, I pray that you would guide our conversation and that you would uh, give us ears to hear and um, words to say as we we talk together and be with us. And thank you for um, our relationship with each other and also with our our brothers uh, down at River Bend, and we remember them, and we pray for them and all those on on death row and um, for victims of violence everywhere. And uh, may our conversation point towards your healing and redemption and all that. Christ's name, amen. Amen. Shane, you keep calling Chris Doc. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I, I, for, for five or five or so years he was dr hall because i had him in class you know uh so that feels a little too formal so uh, you know doc is uh i honor his uh academia and his uh yeah so uh, he's called me that for years yeah (laughs) tell folks a little about your friendship and uh, relationship how that's how that's been I, I came from Tennessee to Philly to go to Eastern and that's where I met, uh, Chris and doc. And, <laughs> and we, so I originally, I think our first encounter was, was probably you teaching me Greek. So I had I Greek that's class. Right, yeah. Um, and I can almost say my Greek alphabet, Nathan. So, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think I actually, I, I'm, I'm, you know, a little rusty, but I, I got, I got the Greek still in there, but, uh, that was our original, you know, um, uh, Place let me tell you what Shane. Here. Let me tell you what Shane looked like. For those of you who might have seen a photograph of Shane today, what he looked like then, he was uh, tall, relatively thin, had a white collared shirt, uh, buttoned, I believe, and very <laughs> short hair. Yeah. Very short hair. Looked like was, he was about ready I, to head off to the army. I, well, <laughs> I was. I was prom king in high school, you know that doc. I, I, so I, I, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, so that that uh, you're embarrassing me, but yeah. Anyway, so, um, but uh, I, I, so that's where I'm at. And then you know, as we started the simple way, that was pretty much like our uh, in college that the, the the sort of spark that started the simple way uh, began to happen. And um, and and Chris was really a big part of that. You know, he's been. A friend, that was back in, sort what of was that, 1998? Director. Is that 1998? Yeah. Yeah, that was 98 wow. that we started. So this is the 20th year coming up that we've uh, had mm-hmm. the Simple Way going. And, um, yeah, since then, 
you know, I mean, in official ways like boards, but more, more ways like personally, you know, just as, as kind of a, a friend and pastor to a lot of us that are pouring our lives out here and on the north side of Philly. And, and he's been a really wonderful voice for us. Plus mm-hmm. his love for the early church and the, you know, the, the, this is all something we share in common. And, um, I'm sure we'll talk about all this, but, you know, a, a deep, uh, uh, love for the spiritual formation and the disciplines and the things that you care so much about at Renovari. But I think we realize that part of our problem in especially evangelicalism is we kind of lost the art of spiritual formation. So that was a mm-hmm. common um, thing that we shared too. Mm-hmm. Very good. And he did your wedding. Is that what you said? So, yeah. The, so the simple way started by when a, a group of homeless moms and kids were living in an abandoned Catholic church building about a mile mm-hmm. from here where I live now, a couple miles uh-huh. from here. And, um, and so we asked for permission to go back in there and that's where we got married. So like the roof was still leaking. And <laughs> it was awesome. Some of the exit signs that we had put in it 20 years ago were up in there and, you know, it was awesome. So, um, yeah, but we got married there. It was absolutely beautiful. A lot of our neighbors, some of the families, the homeless moms and families that had lived in it, um, the first time they'd come back, you know, they came back for the wedding and, um, so it was a wonderful collision of worlds. All our family from Tennessee and North Carolina, mm-hmm. and uh, and Chris did a, a beautiful job. I mean, there, you know, that, that's something that I think we realize is the holiness of of sacrament and liturgy and those things create some real um, stability in a in the middle of the chaos. So even after our wedding, there were a number of my neighbors that said, "Wow, that was so beautiful. I think I might want to get married." You know, and that, it's it's great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very nice. I was like, yeah, here's Chris's yeah. card. You know, he's available. <laughs> it's a, yeah, thank you. <laughs> this is the only time I've ever seen Shane in a suit. Yeah. Was, did, you make, did you make your own suit on for that? I'm going to have to give credit where credit is due on this one. That was my mom's labor of love. Because that was, that was, your it, was way, it was a, definitely a homemade tuxedo, but it was like um, way outside my skill set. The pockets, the pocket stock had nine parts on them. <laughs> Nine, nine, nine pieces. I'm like my the pockets on my pants that I make have one part on them, you know. Inside, so yeah, it was way outside of my um, element. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you mentioned a little bit about how Chris has been able to come and help pray for some of the houses and uh, been involved in in some of these things. Yeah, so it's, like I said, I think it's one of those things that you realize the deep, the importance of deep spirituality and and um, um, things here when when you really can see the principalities and powers, uh, you know, things that I, I mean, we we it's not unusual to um, have people that are shot in our neighborhood. There's many beautiful things I love about my neighborhood. So I don't want to paint it as all bad, but, there, sure. but we do have a lot of gun violence. And we had one house in particular um, where uh, actually there's been a couple of them. In the doc. There, there was one house that I can think of though, early on where we got it for a dollar from the city. <laughs> Cause it was, <laughs> it was an abandoned house and real estate's great around here. And, and so we, but it, it, this house had a tragic history um, and we knew that someone had been killed in that house. Um, and so the first thing that we wanted to do was to uh, pray over it and dedicate it. And I mean, like really old school, you know, we needed some holy water mm-hmm. and incense and brought the cross. And die. We, the only way we could get in, though, was through a hole in the roof. 
<laughs> we walk down. <laughs> That's just, true. Our, That's our true. houses are all connected, you know. And so we, we walked down the block and climbed in through a hole in the roof. And because we didn't want to do we didn't want to take boards off and start working until we first, you know, prayed over it. So that was the first thing we did. <laughs> that's, I think that's biblical, isn't it? To yeah. Go so, through a roof like, to pray. It was powerful. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. Oh, yeah. And yeah. it was uh, it was dark in that house. I remember. Yeah. It, didn't we have a what did we have? A flashlight? I think we had a lot of candles and a yeah, lot of candles and stuff. Though, yeah. And then we went down. We went down into the the this murder actually taken place yeah. in the basement. It was really sad. It had taken place in the basement, and then the folks who had committed the murder had burned the body in the basement. Mm. And so there was a high level of heat because I can still remember there were ashes, uh, almost oh. like the form of uh, where the body had li- uh, lain on the floor and so on. So we went down there and started down there. With prayer and uh, thinking about all that had taken place there. And then we just kind of moved our way up through the house, the rooms in the house. And for a while, wasn't it true that for a while, uh, that whole whole house was transformed? Yeah. My right, Shane, it was transformed. People were living there, simple way folks and so on. And then there was a fire. Yeah. Yeah. So 10 years ago... um, yeah, we we did all kinds of stuff in there. We it was we had a uh, you know massive after school program. We had a industrial kitchen. We had you know all kinds of things that we and I lived there. A bunch of us lived mm-hmm. there as well. We kind of do our work out of our living spaces and homes. And um and so yeah, there was a abandoned factory across the street that caught on fire. Uh, it, it's been ten years now, and that that burnt the whole building down. Um, thankfully, no one was hurt. And and what we did after that, I mean, it's just kind of this ongoing. Um, uh, it, it really does feel like a spiritual battle uh, of life and death, you know, of, mm. of, uh, and, and, and so what we've done now is after the building burnt down, we, um, built a park there that we call Phoenix park because it mm. came up out of the ashes. Um, and, and so that's, uh, that's, uh, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful space for the neighborhood. Um, and I don't know if you know this, but when, when the fire happened, we had a garden next to it, doc. And, um, and the, the firefighters ended up going, they created basically a waterfall off of the roof. And they said, that's the only thing that saved our block from burning down. The, the whole rest of the block would have burnt down too. Oh, wow. Um, but yeah. Uh, yeah, so even like the, the, the garden society, they say a, a garden can save a neighborhood, <laughs> literally. <laughs> Seriously, having a green space there to stop it. Yeah, but I think the work that you all are doing and that, you know, our friendship, uh, Chris and I's, is, is really how we've helped to sustain this kind of work so many years. Even the house that I'm living in, right, you know, here uh, had someone killed uh, in it as well. So that, but w- what we believe is that that's what we're proclaiming, you know, that life is, is mm-hmm. more powerful than death. And, and uh, we, we talk about practicing resurrection, you know, bringing, uh, uh, abandoned places back to life and loving people back to life that some people might write off as, you know, dead or beyond redemption. Mm. Oh, that's beautiful. And I'm, I'm stuck with this image of, I'm back to your early story of, of crawling through a roof in the dark with candles to pray healing into this, into this home. Yeah, it was very, very holy. I mean, it was, it was, mm-hmm. And and it, it uh, felt like you know the only way to do something like that is to really recognize the the kind of spiritual depth of what we were doing together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I felt like we were reclaiming yeah. that space for the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Reclaiming that space mm-hmm. uh, yeah. for the kingdom. Though something horrible had happened there, that wasn't what that space was meant for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When we, when, I mean, one of the things that we pray all the time, you know, coming from the Lord's prayer is that the kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven, you know. But one of the things that we say is, may God's kingdom come on Potter Street as it is in heaven, you know, because mm-hmm. that makes it very, uh, uh, specific and and I think that this is a way of saying we want this space to be what God meant for it to be. You know, if God's dream uh, came to this neighborhood, what would this space be? And it's certainly not an abandoned house where someone gets killed. Mm-hmm. Right. That's right. Chris, what is, what has this been like for you? Well, when Shane went down there with another group of uh, Eastern students, I can remember thinking to myself. I'm not so sure this is a great idea. <laughs> now, Shane, were, were you? Were you it sounds like my mom. <laughs> were you? Were you button up, crew cut at this point? Still? No, no, no. He been transformed a little bit. Gotten my punk rock scene. Yeah, I, right. <laughs> Good for so you. So he he'd been he'd been transformed, <laughs> and so there was a but the, there was a group that went down there, and I can uh, I can remember thinking. Well, this is a danger. This is a dangerous place to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was concerned about that, which has been a kind of continuing theme with, with me and Shane. Uh, so, for example, when the war in Iraq broke out, Shane and and a friend of both of ours, a former student of mine named Jonathan Wilson Hartgrove, also thought it was a good idea to go over to um, Iraq and uh, to uh, Baghdad. I think it was, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, before the bombing started. Okay. Yeah. Before the bombing started, to just be with the people there as a instantiation. Maybe we could put it that way. It's just a concrete. Wow. <laughs> Why? I didn't even know I knew that word. <laughs> I still don't think I know that word. <laughs> you know, just to just to embody. There's a better word to embody um, the presence of uh, Jesus in the midst of a situation that was already. Mm-hmm. not what it should be, it was going to become even more uh, hellish, mm-hmm. if I can put it that way. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what, and it was Jonathan's honeymoon, nonetheless. <laughs> On his honeymoon? <laughs> he, and, he and Leah had just gotten married, yeah, and went to a uh, honeymoon to Baghdad, yeah. Oh, Jonathan actually, John actually just a couple weeks ago, uh, spent an evening with the whole Renabari board down in North Carolina. Oh, wow. It's great. I've just uh, uh, been talking to him today, so, yeah, it's great. All of that to say, so what I saw, you know, here I am, their professor, but what I saw was that they were seeing and embodying an act, an aspect of the kingdom of God, which I've been teaching about for a long time, but they were embodying an aspect of the kingdom of God that I needed to see more clearly. Mm. So wondering, well, how long are they going to be down there? Was this all going to work out? And we don't want to idealize what's happened down there. Uh, it's mm-hmm. been tough, you know, over the years, relational problems and all kinds of stuff that's just kind of normal for believers to desire to be more deeply formed and shaped into the image of Jesus. Uh, but I wonder, well, will, will it be for two years or three years or so on? Mm-hmm. Well, for Shane, how long have you been? It's been years. Yeah, 20, 20, yeah. 20 wow. years now. And I felt when he went down there, that what the Lord was calling me to do was to practice a very specific spiritual discipline. Hmm. 
uh, I think I've talked about before. I can't remember if I've done it on a podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, spiritual discipline is that of actually taking your body and moving your body to which your eyes are connected, moving your body uh, to a place that you might not normally go and that would make you feel maybe uncomfortable, uh, feel a little bit uh, at the beginning nervous. Am I safe here? Mm-hmm. What are people going to think? What am I going to experience? And so on. I, that was very distinct. That A, you're supposed to stay in relationship with Shane and with Jonathan, mm-hmm. but particularly with Shane. Shane lives up here in Philadelphia. And, and B, you're supposed to go there as a regular pattern of your life. Mm-hmm. Just go there, not with any big agenda in mind, like we're going to change the world or anything. No, you're just supposed to go there and be with people that you normally, because I live in the suburbs, mm-hmm. uh, you normally would not be part of your daily routine. So that's, that's what I started to do. No big deal. No big deal at all. But just started to drive about 40, 45 minutes just to drive to Potter Street. Mm-hmm. Park the car, park the car there and just hang out and see what's going on. And then over time, different things have happened that, that have been good. Some things that have been real sad. But one of the good things, for example, is we've started a, a program for kids every September. Uh, we'll we'll uh, head off and Shane and I and get some s- school supplies and so on. And then there's a Saturday event, which is kind of a community celebration. Uh, most of the time I can't make it a few times I've been there, um, where we, where there's a, a, a carefully run program. It's not just a giveaway, but a carefully run program for kids who couldn't afford crayons or black composition books or whatever is school's getting started. Yeah. And, uh, it's on, it's on Labor Day every year. So it's that, that Monday. Yeah. But may, maybe we'll, uh, see if the Renovari family wants to, uh, pitch in next year, huh? <laughs> there you go. There you go. Uh, yeah, well, we had like 600, be, seven, 700 kids that come out and we, we do, you know, prayers over the kids. We've had uh, some of the young people in our neighborhood that graduated from Eastern because uh, we do one scholarship a year. And that was part of our little conspiracy, too, between Doc and I. You know, we, you know, we got these one young person a year that goes um to Eastern oh, on yeah, full scholarship. So now some of them have graduated, come back and they're the ones that, you know, hand out the bags and encourage the kids. Don't let anybody tell you that your circumstance, you know, have to have to dictate your future and things like that. It's really beautiful. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So that's been going on uh, for he, uh, Shane and me for, for a good while now. Yeah. Mm. Uh, it's just going to be a pattern of my life as long as I live in, in this area. Showing up. Yeah. yeah. Just, uh, I thought that's a good way to put it. I want to encourage people who are listening. Don't, don't feel as though, you have to have some a big agenda in mind. You have to accomplish something big. No. No. It's more showing up mm-hmm. and, and being willing to, to uh, take time that you might devote to something else. Mm-hmm. To just being in a place where initially, it's really not this way for me anymore, but initially uh, you, you might feel a little bit stretched. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, but never to allow, never to allow, uh, by the grace of God, discomfort, fear, prejudice, uh, 
to to be a roadblock to moving into a different place. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like a different. It's a learning space. Mm-hmm. You know, Nathan, how I've talked about the desert spirituality in the past. I can't remember again if it's been on a podcast, but these folks headed out to the desert to a learning space. So I think Potter Street for me, in many ways, has been a, a learning space. And then I think um, what we started to do uh, a little bit together on uh, with folks on death row that's that's been a, a learning space for me and i think will continue to be but but learning spaces are always good mm-hmm. they're always good it's just that they're hard because we're learning we're learning uh about issues or we're we're coming into relationship with people with whom you know normally these worlds are not going to intersect Mm-hmm. And I think what Jesus calls to calls us to. I really do feel strongly about this. He calls us to to purposefully, lovingly, uh, mm. no big deally, if I can put it that way, <laughs> just to, to to move into to a learning spaces that he's occupied for a long time. It's just that we haven't been there yet. Mm. It's helpful. Shane, I'm curious as a as a twenty something going down a Potter Street, starting this. Here's your Greek professor showing up, being present. What was that like for you and your community? Uh, well, we we have always one. We've had, we've had plenty of things that we've learned along the way and mistakes we've made. But one of the things that we I'm proud that we've done is we've always valued. Um, wisdom and elders. And I mean, we've been mentored by, um, uh, 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 we've got a lot of really wonderful folks in our life. One of the ones that, um, uh, Chris knows is sister Margaret. She's like a, uh, almost 90 years old now, uh, medical mission sisters. So a Catholic nun. Um, and she, she lived in the desert and, you know, had this desert spirituality and uh, was a, came out of the kind of the Carmelite tradition originally. And she said that I just realized that the the inner city is the contemporary desert. Mm. This is where we find God. It's where we, you know, in the forsaken, abandoned spaces, we, we uh, uh, build a new society in the shell of the old one, all that, you know. And so we, we've actually done, Chris and I have done a little tag team thing on uh, the old monasticism and new monasticism, you know. But I, I think that, like, part of what has been really valuable for me is is – um, is realizing that we're not doing anything brand new, you know, mm-hmm. that, that a lot of what we're doing is building on something really old. Um, and, and our love for the early church, for the desert fathers and mothers, um, so much of that is, is really, um, kind of come up out of that, you know, um, and, and, and even, even some of the, the, um, uh, ethical stuff, you know, that, mm-hmm. I mean, as we talk about, war and the death penalty and things like that. Uh, it, it's, it's also the voices of those early Christians that I, I think so poignantly speak against violence and death and in all of its different iterations, you know, and really said every, every person is created in, in the image of God. And we certainly are, are not to destroy that. So, you know, I think that that's, uh, that's, you know, it's kind of all come out of, out of that. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. I mean, one of the things I find really interesting is having older people show up. Well, how old are you talking about? <laughs> kind of like I'm Methuselah here. Well, that, that's why I use Sister Margaret. I mean, she's, you Thank know, you. 90, 90 is, uh, you, you know, 
I don't think anyone argues that that's the uh, <laughs> no, all right. second 90, half of 90, life. Yeah. All right, there you go. <laughs> well, I would assume, Chris, is, for 20-year-olds, they're, they're Greek professor. Yeah. Yeah, an older guy. So. Well, that'd be older, yes. I suppose yeah. that's true. Well, it, what, what's helpful is it gets something for all of us. And particularly in our society, I think yeah. older, mid, middle age and beyond folks feel like they have very little to offer. And that just being... Oh, that's a really good point. That's a really good point. There's this tendency uh, that when folks start getting into their 50s, some at least, well, we have this mid-stage, what is it, mid-life crisis. Some people have that. Where's my life going? What am I doing with my life? 50 years have gone by and whatever it might be. Uh, but for people, as they begin to move into those years, at least for some, to think, well, I guess the story is about over. Uh, there's no, you know, not much I could offer now. I'm, I'm too old. And at that point, I do want to shout from the rooftops, no, you're not. Mm-hmm. No, you're not. You might live for another 30 years. But if if you lived just for another week, the Lord's taken a lot of time and years to build something into you that he desires for you to share with, uh, if I can put it this way, with younger folk. Yeah. Yes. I, I really think, don't I think to- it really goes both ways. You know, I think it's good for everybody when we have kind of a cross-generational, you know, kind of cross-pollination between the those because the, the youthful like – we, we, I mean, we had some fire in our bones, you know, <laughs> we were ready to go to jail and take over the world when we started a simple way. And we, we really did need some of that stability and, you know, <laughs> wisdom and stuff. Um, I mean, we still went to jail, but, you know, it's really helpful to have some, some, uh, uh, you know, good spiritual disciplines as we do it. Um, and, and I, I think of, um, yeah, this you know we see that kind of everywhere now. There's there's the old folks need young folks, young folks need uh, older folks mm-hmm. in their lives. Um, our friend Tony uh, Campolo, you know, he did this. He talks about this study that was done with people that were all like ninety years old, and they asked them if you were looking, you know, looking back on your life, what's something that you might do differently? And the number one answer was, I would take more risks. Mm, yeah, that was the number one answer, and I think that's a great word, you know, for some folks that you know you don't have to wait till you're ninety to look back and go, "Wow, I I should have stretched mm-hmm, myself. Mm-hmm. Maybe I should have visited some folks in prison, or you know, gone and got to know people that don't look like me, or something." So yeah, yeah good, good thing is you, you know we don't have to wait. Mm-hmm. I do, Nate. I do think that the uh, Holy Spirit is very gentle, mm-hmm. but what consistently trying to nudge people beyond their comfort zone, mm-hmm. beyond their comfort zone. So as, as folks are listening in, you might just take a moment uh, and ponder that. Are there, uh, are there people who I'm aware of, situations I'm aware of, issues that I'm aware of, but maybe in all three areas, I'm, I'm, distancing myself because I sense that if I moved into those relationships mm-hmm. or into those issues, it would initially make me feel very uncomfortable mm-hmm. or I, or I sense that the Lord would ask something of me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The Lord would ask something of me, but I think that's what Jesus does all the time. He asks, he asks, he asks things of us. And, um, Something's demanded, to use a stronger verb. Something's demanded. You know, you're my image bearer. 
you're my apprentice, you're my disciple. I'm asking something of you. Have eyes to see. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Have ears to hear. Mm-hmm. I think that's the, actually the normal pattern. But but it's tough. It's tough in the states because um, a lot of us are are comfortable. Mm-hmm. And when you're comfortable, you can become complacent. And if you get a, gr- a group of people who are comfortable, Christian folk who are comfortable, and they're gathering together every Sunday, but to a certain extent comfortable, it's very easy. Church fathers talk about this a lot. It's very easy to become complacent, mm-hmm. you know, satisfied, satisfied, satisfied with the status quo. Mm-hmm. And I think that the Lord's in the business are just nudging us, nudging us so that, like uh, Shane was saying, so that at the end of our days, we don't have to look in the mirror and say, you know, I, I led a life that was comfortable, but I'm not sure that I entered into all that was being offered to me. Entering into all that is being offered me. It's so good. And I'm going to cut the interview here and pick up next week with our conversation about the trip Chris and Shane took to visit some folks on death row. If you'd like to learn more about The Simple Way, you can visit their website at simpleway.org or you can check out Shane's page, shaneclaiborne.org. I want to give a special thanks to the folks from the Renovare Institute in Boston. So enjoyed being with you all and thanks for all the hugs. Also, we just had the groundbreaking event for the Writer's Cabin in Oregon. Really enjoyed the Writer's Retreat so thankful for the community of writers that seems to be being birthed. And apparently, I sound the same in person as I do on the podcast. So that's good, huh? Hey, as always, thanks for listening, and have a great week.